Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Earners, what's up? Look, I wanna give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. You understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel, apply shipping preferences automatically, and handle customer service issues right there. Not to mention the savings with up to 89% off carrier rates like UPS, DHL Express, and USPS. It's no wonder over 130,000 companies stick with ShipStation long-term. So, are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities? Head over to ShipStation.com and use promo code EARN for a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. And so I tell people all the time, do you want a million followers or do you want a million dollars? A million followers. I know people with 5, 10, 15 million followers broke, can't even pay their bills. But 
50,000 people paying you $2 a month is 100 grand a month, $1.2 million a year. I know y'all heard about Bad Baby, Catch Me Outside. Yeah. She made $55 million off OnlyFans, right? 55. I said she made $55 million off 160 pieces of content. The next thing I did is I went to her Instagram page and there was no content on the page. It was like six posts. But I was like, see, I was like, she hit all her content because she knows she makes Instagram. Instagram doesn't make her. She's like, I have 16 million followers. This serves me no purpose at all. So she archived all her content. She put a link tree and said, you can stream my song, watch my music video and come to my OnlyFans. Because what is this 16 million people doing for me? It's doing nothing. It's just a vanity number. It means absolutely nothing. What is good as having 16 million followers if you can't use them? My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> A mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. All right, guys. Welcome back. EYL South. This is going to be a legendary episode. Something that the public has asked for and something that we've been in communication with for a long time. A lot of people, they, they lack patience. They're like... Why don't you get fan base on? I'm like, whoa. Y'all get? keep talking about us, man. It's happening right now. <laughs> we, we are for the culture. Everything just has to happen in the right time. But you did do our guys ask cash and show. So yeah, shout yeah, to Inside the Vault. Shout out to Inside the Vault. So yes, indeed. Isaac Hayes the third, legendary situation, fan base. Yeah. This is something that if you're not familiar with it, we're gonna. I'm going to let you explain it because I don't want to do it any disservice. But it's a social media app that's designed for monetization. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And it works similar to like a lot of the other social media apps where you can like um, interact via photo, video, um, stories, live, live, short form, long short form, form, long form, audio, audio chat, audio chat. Yeah. So it's like a combination of a lot of different social media apps. Oh, every media vertical you can think of. A subscription service. In one. Yeah. So we're gonna have a dope conversation. We're gonna talk about. The process, your thought process to even developing the app. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, raising money for the app, marketing the app, the business model, where do you see it going? You know, the whole the whole gambit. Um, but first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. This is like my favorite interview. I <laughs> before it starts. <laughs> my favorite interview before yeah, before it starts. Everybody like when I told people I was coming here, they're like I want to come. <laughs> I love those guys. Like you understand, like I watch Earn Your Leisure. Like, so this is the one show that everybody I know watches. So they, they got to make sure that they watch this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. The holy grail of financial Most importantly. Absolutely. So, all right. So where does it start? Obviously, if any, if you didn't catch it by his name, his dad is Isaac Hayes. Jr., yep. Legendary um, vocalist and performer. Um, so where did this start with you? You never wanted to go into music and follow your dad's footsteps. What made you want to be an entrepreneur in the tech space? So I was a producer. Like I started producing in 99. And um, and then I decided that I wanted to license my music. And so I started licensing my music for television and film and did that for like 10 or 15 years. And after my dad passed, somebody, my family wanted someone to run the estate. And so my family named me the manager of, of his estate. So I had been managing his estate. Um, but while simultaneously, you know, like I said, um, simultaneously, um, licensing my music for TV and film, um, the idea to develop an app 
did came out of left field. Oh, it came out. It came from it came from my connection to Memphis, Tennessee. So um, I was born in Memphis, left Memphis at the early age and moved to Atlanta. But just me being on social media all the time, this young kid went viral for dancing in a Spider-Man costume in a GameStop. And he was from Memphis. And I just sent him a text message, like a DM, said, congrats, young Memphis. And he immediately hit me back. and was like, are you a manager? <laughs> and I was like, well, I manage my dad's estate. He goes, I need a manager. I really need a manager. And this is back and forth of us. What year was this? 2018. It was Instagram? Yeah. Sent him an Instagram DM. I'm saving the Instagram. I'm saving the DM. So when this is the largest tech company in the world, I just people don't know that this is the moment that I came up with the idea. So it was March 2018. So anyway... I left that conversation like, yo, this kid is like, he don't know how to make no money. And he doesn't own Spider-Man. And whenever Marvel and Disney want to shut down him monetizing their property, they can. But people need to learn. People need to be able to subscribe to him like you subscribe to like Netflix and and learn how to dance like him. If he wants to teach people the dances he does, then charge people for those dances. Mm. And so that's when I was like, yo, we need that. And it was like, and then OnlyFans was out at the same time. And I remember... Legendary OnlyFans. Yeah. Legendary. Legendary. And and so I remember seeing, I remember saying like, yo, when the strippers find out about this one, (laughs) it's it's over. Oh, so you you was on it before it became what it became. Yeah. No, because one of the things that that I did, the first thing that I did when I thought of the name Fanbase, I trademarked it. So I hadn't built anything. I trademarked the name Fanbase in the the form of an application that's downloadable software for subscription-based whatever. Very important. Yeah. The details on how you trademark is very important. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to get the class and and the territory, and I did all that. So, because I don't ever want to take an idea to fruition and then not be able to fully execute it. A lot of people, you know, rappers have a name, can't use a name. Whereas somebody have a product, can't use a product. So I just know that from music, like trademark it first. And so then um, after trademarking the name, um, uh, I just went ahead and, 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 like I said, was figuring out like OnlyFans, like all the other platforms out here that kind of did it. I was aware of Patreon. And Patreon and OnlyFans were the only two that I heard of. Matter of fact, OnlyFans was called Fans Only. So I was like, okay, cool. And then. I just knew that, but I said, we got to build something that's just straightforward for the, the community of people that are going to be able to, to monetize their content in the future. Yeah, so, I mean, creating a tech company obviously takes capital, and mm-hmm. you did something very brilliant. Mm-hmm. Never signed a publishing deal when you were producing. Right. And so you were able to license the, 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 the content that you were making, which brought in general. So is that the basis of, or the foundation of where you got capital to create it? Yes. Okay. So as so being a producer, I never did a publishing deal because my dad had terrible relationships with publishers. So I was able to go to my um, PRO, which are like BMI ASCAP, the performer rights people that collect your money and ask for a loan. And I asked for a loan of like a hundred thousand. And then I got another hundred thousand. I just I could pull from it whenever I wanted to. And that's the thing. Mailbox money is like, you know, I say you got to make money while you sleep. So that was a cool thing about me is like I'm watching Real Housewives and Married to Medicine and loving hip hop and my beats are playing NBA TV, the all star game. Like I would hear my music all the time and I just go to the mailbox and be a check for, you know, 20,000, whatever, 50,000, you know, every quarter. So I'm like, OK, cool. So when I came up with the idea, I was like, well, let me just pull from this. Um, I'm, you know, when I started managing my dad's estate, I said, just take care of my expenses. I don't want to take no salary. So I just had capital to be able to to build the app. So talk about the loan. How did that work? So you took a loan. From the record companies, and then they recoup that from my PRO. Yeah, they recoup it from from what's paid. Mm-hmm. So as as they so it's about it's about a year. You probably get paid like a year after, like nine months after something airs. 
So whenever your song is played on the radio or is on a television show or a movie, about nine months after it airs is when you actually get the money for it. That's like, uh, shout out to Ghostface. He said, uh, waiting on these royalties take too long. It's like waiting on babies. <laughs> nine <laughs> months, ladies. That's it's, a like, it's like, yeah, so that's when you, so when you, when your joint hit, you know, you got nine months before you get the check. So that's a, that's a long, that's a long gap. So yeah, I was able to, to just, you know, take an advance. And then they charge you like a, a percentage of it. No, they, because it's not, it's not a publishing deal. It's just the money I was going to get paid anyway. It's Ooh, just, they just keep fun. collecting it till it comes back. So you, you spoke about your dad's estate. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's pretty expensive catalog. Yeah. Especially in music. I know he did voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Even in South Park, right? Mm-hmm. South Park. Yeah, yeah, right. It's South Park. So like, yeah. legendary. I mean, you're into music at the time, but managing an estate is a totally different thing. So where did yeah. you like figure out the skills and to manage that? So most of it, most of managing an estate uh, revolves or my dad's estate will revolve around publishing and masters. Mm. And so I've been doing that. So it's like, you want to license his name, image and likeness or a song or anything like that. That's, that's very, very simple. So it wasn't a hard thing to do. The only thing, the only hard thing to do is probably is expand the brand and you need relationships to do that. But I also have, and I, and I, my, my family has hated me for this for a long time because I would told them it's going to take a long time for us to be in position because as a songwriter, you know, uh, my dad's copyrights have been owned by other people just for the for the way that publishing deals were done in his era. So when you wrote a song in my dad's era, the publisher would actually have ownership of the copyright for 56 years. So then so even my dad never got to see his copyrights wow. back returning his lifetime. So the songs that he wrote in 1963 just started coming back a couple of years ago. And so one of the biggest songs that he ever wrote before he even became an artist is a song by Sam and Dave called Hold On, I'm Coming. So I know people hear that. that, dun, 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 that Hold on, I'm coming. So he wrote that song. So we he wrote that? Yeah, him and David Porter. So we just got that song back like last month. And even since we did that, like it's already like licenses coming in. But think about like how many how much money has been made off that record and then think of all the sampling and all that stuff. So again Yeah, I feel like once I heard that you made me think of Malcolm X yeah. in a movie, like when he's at the whole that's the song that's playing. Everything listen, there was it's crazy. There was song they used they used hold on I'm and this is the crazy thing because the publishers are trying to get us to do new deals. And I'm like, the numbers that they were sending us was like, nah man, there's no there's no way you can offer us this if I say they offered us like two million, right? I was like, dog, I just heard this song on an Oreo cookie commercial for Christmas. They played it when the Lakers won the championship. They played it. They they had a Toyota truck commercial. It's a bunch of different, you know, different commercials that I hear. And that's publishing. So it doesn't matter who does the song. So I was like, nah, y'all not going to offer us that. And we have we haven't even gotten to his artist catalog where even in his songwriting catalog, everybody has sampled my dad like. I always say James Brown's the most sampled artist of all time, right? But Isaac Hayes, there's not a... Every iconic rapper has an Isaac Hayes song that you know that's an Isaac Hayes sample. And I'd be like, so Warning by Biggie is Isaac Hayes. Can I Live by Jay-Z is Isaac Hayes. Cream by Wu-Tang Clan is Isaac Hayes. Me Against the World by Tupac is Isaac Hayes. Shimmy Shimmy Ya by Old Dirty Bastard is Isaac Hayes. Explosive by Dr. Dre is Isaac Hayes. So it's like, you can't think of one, like, there's not any of the icons 
right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, like classic, what you just named. Right. The, the, the sample or the lyric? The sample. The musical. Yeah. He, so he produced the record? He wrote and produced. He wrote and produced? Yeah. He's a writer and producer and artist. So he was a songwriter first. And then he became an artist because Otis Redding died. And then Sam and Dave got they got taken back. They were on loan from Atlantic and it was a bad deal with stacks. So they had no artists. So they had to rebuild their catalog and they asked everybody to do an album. They had like 29, they had 28 artists and they needed 29. It's called the soul explosion. And they said, you, we need you to do an album. And he was like, okay, but y'all did an album on me before and it was some bullshit. So if I do an album this time, you got to let me do it the way I want to do it. And that album was hot buttered soul. So that's the album where, you know, he did Walk On By. And it's like the first time you ever heard like soul artists and 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 orchestras merge or organs and bass and all that stuff together with orchestras and stuff. So he even had to go to Detroit to record the strings because there were no people that could play strings in Memphis. So imagine going to like Motown to put your sound with they sound and come back. And it really I always say my dad is the the inventor of modern day R&B because you can't imagine R&B without flutes and strings. And when you think of Mary J. Blige, when you think of like um, uh, uh, Mask Off by Future or whatever, when you hear flutes and hip hop, it's like Isaac Hayes was the first person to put flutes and strings on top of like organs and, and gritty guitars and stuff like that. So when the publishing companies are coming at you now, are they now trying to renew the deals? Obviously 56 years, not going to happen in this day and right. age, but are they doing like short term Pieces on on the the, the content is it like well, five years or what are they, what are they ironically and and this will go this will this will transition a lot into tech. What they're doing now is they're trying to buy catalogs. And I know you hear all the time people are buying catalogs, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are these people selling their catalogs? It doesn't make sense to me because I understand the value of the music. And so I tell I I, I think about this and I say, well, how many people on earth have a smartphone? And it's like six point three billion people with smartphones, right? And I ask you guys this question. I ask people all the time. So of 6.3 billion people on on smartphones, how many people do you think have music streaming services on their phone like Apple Music, Spotify, and Tidal? In the millions or billions, how many people would you think? Of 6.3 billion. 6.3, I'd say 4 billion. Cool. What do, you, what do you think? 3 billion. Okay, no. It's 525 million people. So, so, it's, so, it's, let, so 7% of the available market. Okay of people that could have a music streaming service on their phone, have it. So in my mind, I'm like, they said by 2030, it'll be like a billion people on streaming services. So in the next eight years, the streaming revenue is going to double or triple. So why are you, I wouldn't sell shit. (laughs) And it's the same thing for Netflix. It's it's only 222 million people that have Netflix out of 6.3 billion people with a device that could have Netflix on it. So I'm like, oh, content is going to be like the thing. And so, and, and so and when, we, when I talk about, when I mention the fan base, the reason why I think that's important is because I believe that person to person subscription is going to outpace platforms like Netflix, because anybody that I know that has Netflix, they watch a Netflix or a Hulu for one or two shows, but there's like thousands of pieces of content on there. Mm-hmm. So in the future, why wouldn't I just subscribe directly to the brand or the person that I really like their content from, as opposed to paying this $25, $20 a month with commercials two shows for stuff that I don't really like. But if I really rock with like, you know, Cardi B, then I'll just subscribe to her. If I really rock with this particular brand, then I'll subscribe directly to them or that person or you guys yeah. like you guys is like, OK, but I'll just subscribe directly to y'all and you guys get all the revenue. You own the content. And you make the um, and you call the shots. What's up, y'all? Are y'all interested in trying something fresh, something new? Well, check out Seagram's Escapes. 
the iconic flavored malt beverage love for flavor, color, and relaxation. With over more than 15 fruit-forward flavors, including the perfectly sweet and tart blueberry acai lemonade, they're the perfect treat. Man, that blueberry acai lemonade is a refreshing blend of tart lemon and sweet blueberry flavors. It's a fan fave, and its blue color is guaranteed to pop on your Final Four IG stories. So whether you're staying at home for March Madness or you're headed out to watch the games, the sweet and refreshing flavors are a perfect pick for those that love flavor and color. With their rainbow of options, you can always find a flavor and color to match your vibe. At 3.2% APV, you can enjoy Seagram's escapes as is or shake things up and use them as a cocktail mixer. Try pumping up your favorite flavor with the spirit of your choice or get creative with fish bowls, frozen slushies, and jello shots. The built-in flavor and color make Seagram's escapes an easy shortcut to delicious, insta-worthy cocktails. The options are endless and Seagram's escapes make it easy to bring them all to life with flavor and color packed in every bottle. So cheers to happiness with Seagram's Escapes, and check out that blueberry acai lemonade. Sip responsibly. Thank me later, y'all. So, all right. So let's get into this conversation about fan base. What's the first steps that you took to get the company off the ground? And how much money was it actually to actually get the company off the ground? So So, you don't have a tech background, right? No. All right. So you have an idea, but you don't necessarily know how to actually go about it. So what's the first thing that you did to actually get... An app, because a lot of people have ideas about apps. Mm-hmm. They don't really know how to go about it. Well, I mean, I think I, I I educated myself through mentors. So there's three the, the the my three mentors in tech immediately: Joel Burks, Barry Gibbons, and Justin Dawkins. And so the three of them have a company called Collab Capital. So Jewel Burks had a company called Part Pick that she sold to Amazon and exited. And and Barry Gibbons had a, a, a startup, a tech startup. And Justin is their partner. And they have a company called Collab Capital where they invest in people. So I went to them and I met them at the gathering spot in Atlanta, Georgia, where everybody comes together and meets and has great ideas. And I got to pick their, their brains and they were more than gracious to just give me the information about, you know, you know, how much should a CTO have? What kind of equity? Like, you got this idea, what you're going to build. You need an MVP. So I was just learning. You need a deck. You need, you know, you need a proof of concept. So like, okay, okay, okay. So I just had all that information and I just started researching. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of one of those kind of do it, do it all if I need to do it all type of people. So even the deck, like I had somebody, they gave me somebody that builds decks, but I said, send me the deck and keynote. And then I just started clicking buttons and I built my deck and learned how to use Keynote now. So now I'm a Keynote whiz. So I'm the kind of person that will just figure it out on my own if I need to. And, I, and I'm a producer, so I know what it's, I know what an app is supposed to look like, what it's supposed to feel like, what the buttons are supposed to do. All I need, I need, I know what the colors are supposed to be. So all I need is somebody to build it. So that was the part that was very, very um, hard for me. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a challenge. But again, I, and I had somebody that was working with me on this, which is really weird. It was just. just young lady that was working with me on the app and she was kind of like guiding me through it but then she just disappeared and i was like okay now i'm really out here like i'm dolo so um my attorney at the time introduced me to my now cto and um and he he built the app very talented guy by the name of ramiro cannabis that's like my my guy my right hand and what we do at Fanbase. Mm-hmm. um couldn't build it without him and so um we just started the process of putting together 
um, the early stages of what fan base would be. So when you meet him and you're putting the plans together, mm-hmm. how long before the actual completion of the idea? So it was about six months. So we built it from we built the MVP from like July to December. MVP minimum viable, viable product. product. Uh, and that's just like the most important things that need to be part of the situation. Yeah, because so typically, and this comes from people in black tech is like, we don't get to write our ideas down on a napkin and slide it over to somebody and say, okay, I'll fund that for $20 million. Cause, cause along the way, you know, I would hear from, from other people in tech and say, man, like these dudes got $20 million and spent all the money on some other bullshit and never even built an MVP, never built a prototype. They just take the money and trick it off or do something like that. And they're not, they're not black, <laughs> right. we don't get, we don't get, you know, we get the, you know, we don't get a nap. We have to prove ourselves uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I knew, okay, I'm going to have to make something that like, okay, this shit really, really works. And once people have those light bulb moments, right. And I'm, I'm gracious enough in building a platform that I know that cause I was, a, I, I hated every social media platform that came out. Except for Instagram. I've hated all of them. I thought, I, and I mean, not disliked them. I hated on them. Like, oh, this is stupid. Like, first time I saw, first time I saw MySpace, I was like, that's dumb. And then I was like, oh. And I saw Facebook, and that's dumb. I was like, oh. And then I saw Twitter, and I was like, I got on Twitter in 08, and nobody was on there, and I left. And then I came back like the end of 09, and, and, and I thought about it. I was like, oh, this is going to be the news before the news. So somebody get to shooting. This is how I think. Somebody get to shooting, it'll be on Twitter before the news, even though they were shooting at the club. That's and that's kind of what you see now. I check Twitter. Twitter is my news before anything. So that's, you know, I knew that. So, and then Instagram is the only one that I got. Cause I said, this is going to kill the website. So websites are done. I haven't been to a website in 10 years. Cause I can see TMZ and, and ESPN and, you know, some funny comedians and all this kind of stuff all at the same time. So I just knew that that was what um, the future of, of social media was going to be. So, um, that's what it, that's what led me to, to thinking about fan base. So, all right. So you get the CTO, he builds it. You had mentioned the equity. So did you give him equity as opposed to paying him or? So the, so the first thing, and this is when I knew I was onto something, I paid them directly, right? Just to build it. But I made sure that I owned the code. How much I mean, did it cost to build it? The, it, it cost like 200,000. Well, it cost initially about a hundred thousand okay. to build it. Just to, to do that. And, and, and the fact that um, if this was done in the States, it probably would have cost me like three. I couldn't have built this in America because it's just the time and the resources it takes to build it. It probably would have taken me like 350 grand mm. to build it. That's just how much, you know, if you cool. get somebody. Because like you, hear, you hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to go to India. We did that. Yeah. yeah. We, so we had a, not to cut you off, but we had an um, app that we were building for DJs. Mm-hmm. And um, we realized that it was going to cost like 500000 to build it in America. But in India, except they said we can get it done for like fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, man, so we ended up paying. <laughs> when you paid one guy like twenty thousand. Yeah, we paid him like twenty thousand, and they they it was terrible. Like spelling was wrong. It didn't work properly. Right. Was, everything was bad. And they after a while they stopped answering. Then they went on holiday, which we found out their holidays was like three weeks. And then we hired another Indian. To go find this in, the guy in India. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he was in the jungle and we paid him like five thousand, right? We paid a flight for him. So the next thing that he tried to find was in the jungle. So then we paid his flight to go find him, but he ended never finding. He him. ran off on. He ran off on yeah. us. Too. So we got burned pretty bad. We lost about thirty thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Never got any kind of 
Probably I mean, that, and, and what I tell people about what I tell people about India, Thanks, it's not a knock against India. It's it's on the other side of the planet, so the times is off. Argentina is just like an hour ahead. Yeah, and Argentina is just like they, they hungry. Like they like, yo, we can code just as good as Facebook and all these major corporations. And so and it was just fortunate that Ramiro lives in Atlanta. So his company is based here in Atlanta. So um, equity was not a part of the conversation. It was built. And then what he did. And this is this is when I said, okay, I got something here because they had been in business for about 10 years or so already. And he said, we want to invest in this. Mm-hmm. This is the first this is the first app that we've ever been a part of. And they built stuff for the CDC and Taco Bell and all these other companies. And a lot of startups have come through their doors and they built stuff and gone along. But it was like, no, nah, we want to we want to be a part of this because we rock with you. And we think this is like what the future is about. And I said, OK, I'm on to something because and, and, and it was great because then I had him. And this is a lesson that I learned and had to know is if you're going to raise capital, you're going to have to have a CTO because. If you because if nobody's going to give you money, if the person that is going to build it can just pick up and leave the technology officer. Yeah, they have to have some skin in the game that they're attached to the product just as much as you. So you guys are in it together so that they just look at like they don't take it as a check. Like, oh, here's a check. Here's your app. Because then when you go to raise money, somebody's going to ask you, well, who's going to help you build this? And if you don't have a CTO, you have to get one. So people and those are the things that I learned from um jewel and barry and justin like you got to have a cto they have to own part of the company you know and mm-hmm. so that's the that's the situation that that arose because it makes investors feel comfortable was, was that the first time as you were obviously finding romero he's building it is this the first time you're thinking all right this is my company i'm gonna allow other people to have shares in this equity in the, in the situation no so we were still we were still going to go the route um initially i just left it alone Cause I didn't want anybody to know that I was attached to it because of the stigma that, that unfortunately when black companies have, yeah. When white people build something, it's perceived that it's for all people. But when black people build something, it's perceived that it's only for black people yeah. and it's fan base. Right. It's fi- <laughs> fan bases for every single user on the planet. Yeah. So I just wanted to stay as far away as I possibly could. So I did that and I wanted a proof of concept without without um, um, corrupting the data. So I didn't tell anybody I built it. I didn't tell nobody to use it. I just want to see if I put it out there with somebody use it and make money. And and people did. And in a year, we got to about 10,000 users and a couple of users made four grand, six grand. I said, okay, now I can walk into a room and say, I didn't tell nobody. I didn't pay nobody to talk about this. I didn't spend any money on marketing that someone could actually use the platform. And um, and do that. And so that I had one VC call and it still kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like you're supposed to like you're supposed to be like, OK, here's the money to do this. And it didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. And then COVID just came down like a hammer and we was all inside. Yeah, but what was, what was that feeling like? Right. You had the idea. You mm-hmm. built it. You don't tell anybody. It's all word of mouth. What's that feeling like? Because every time we, we tell people like celebrate all the wins. Right. Mm hmm. Once you start seeing people making money on your idea, mm-hmm. what's the feeling like at that time for you? Oh, it was enormous because I just because in my mind, the 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 calculations I'm learning about, like, OK, how much can you scale this? How how far can this idea go that every single person on the planet has the ability to turn themselves into their own business? Because that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're democratizing access to distribution for every single user on the planet. And that's enormous for brands and every single person. And 
when I think of our competitors out there, I, I, I don't like when people talk about fan base. They say, was well, fan base for content creators or artists or musicians and that and they isolate it and platforms. The other the other platforms tend to do that. They call the user a content creator when in truth, we're all content creators. Every single person on social media is creating content. If you're commenting, posting, you're posting once a year, 100 times a day. We're all content creators. And so um, that that made me feel you know really good because now the sky's the limit. So let me ask you this. As far as the app, can you just explain every single aspect of the app in mm-hmm. detail so you can give like a a perspective for people that might not be familiar with it? Well, okay, yeah. So, so fan base is photo, video, live stream, and audio, and long form content um, that's monetizable for every single user on the planet. So you can have, so you can, it's free to download free to use, but you can also simultaneously have subscribers at the same time. So you can have follow, you can have a hundred thousand subscribers and a hundred thousand followers and 20,000 subscribers. And they'd be on the exact same page. It's just the content that you deem for subscribers only they can see and it's paywall or they can unlock it. And then the free stuff is for everybody else. Like all the other social media platforms. How much is it? It's like, it's four ninety nine a month per person you subscribe to. So, Per person you subscribe to. So if I subscribe to Lil Wayne, I'm paying $5. If I subscribe to Earn Your Leisure, I'm paying $5. If I sub- Every single time it's a $5 charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. We couldn't do that. And, and this is important to say because I know that the conversation of subscriptions has become so mainstream the last two or three years. Fanbase was the first native application to allow a user to have a follower and a subscriber at the same time. And the reason I know we were first because Apple wouldn't let us do it. And that's the crazy part about it. So when you, when you subscribe to like Spotify or Netflix or whatever it is, you create something called a subscription profile on Apple. Right. And so we went to Apple and said, we want to make an app that allows you to subscribe to whoever you want to subscribe to. And they were like, no, because if one person subscribes to 50 people, that's 50 subscription profiles we have to keep up with. Mm-hmm. They were like, we're not letting y'all do that. So initially what we did is allow users to subscribe to one person, three people, or five people. So each one of those is an individual subscription profile that only Apple has to keep up with. But you get five people for one profile. So fast forward to Instagram allowing, uh, allowing subscriptions. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, that means Apple's changed it their way because now you can subscribe to whoever you want to on Instagram. And I was like, that didn't exist before we did it. And I remember Ramiro saying, that's a good thing because when you because that means you're doing something that nobody's been done. Whenever you run into a barrier in tech, that means, oh, nobody's done it. But he's like, but we can work, work our way around that. And that was the workaround we came up with. So when, when they're creating content, content creators, everybody is mm-hmm. right. I know, especially like on Instagram, you have 500,000 followers, a million followers. Not everybody sees that content. Mm-hmm. What's that like for fan base, right? Is it the same route? Like everybody that follows me will be updated on what I'm doing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I'm free or subscription. Obviously no. there'll be stuff that could be unlocked if I'm subscription. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that, that, that is the, the goal is for us to allow anybody to make as much money as they possibly can. Right. So on current social media platforms like Instagram, and, and, and I'm very critical of that. Instagram was fun until about 2014. Right. And that's when they started running ads. Mm-hmm. And so because you could go viral, you could wind up with a million followers in a day. It was popping. Somebody might say something, go, you know, go viral. And it's like, yo, I got like 300,000 followers in a day. Right. 
it doesn't work that way anymore. That's because Instagram and Facebook are built around advertising. And so I tell people all the time and people are like, I never thought of that. I was like, why would Instagram let you reach a million people when they charge people to reach a million people? So they can't do that. Right. If you go to your iPhone right now and try to boost your post on Instagram, it'll take you ten thousand dollars to reach the minimum of a million people. And you may or may not reach those people. Right. So if you got 20 million followers, you think that every time you post a photo, Instagram is going to send that to 20 million people. If you could do that every single time. And what I said before was it was cool when it was just text and photo. Once video gets involved, now you're a network. You know, like I said, 18 million people watch Sunday night football during football season. NBC charges eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars for a 30 second spot. So if you could post a video on Instagram and it reached 18 million people, you could charge eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars every time you did that. But guess what happens? The brands would come and pay you and not pay Instagram. So for that very reason, they have to limit the amount of people that see your content so they can make money. You still get engagement, but it's about three to four percent of your following. But it's not the hundred percent. So on fan base, we want everybody to see your content. I mean, Beyonce got two hundred and thirty some million followers. She she probably could charge ten million a post and never work again. Like ten million here, ten million there. They're not doing that. If you go to Beyonce's page right now and click on the video portion of her page, her videos have like three, four million views, five million views max. Mm-hmm. Maybe other ones that go viral because it went viral. So it might have eleven million, eighteen million, but most of the videos are like three to four million, which is like three to four percent. So let's talk about this algorithm. You, mm-hmm. What is an algorithm? Because every social media. Every single one of them has an algorithm. Mm-hmm. YouTube, to TikTok, to Twitter, to Facebook, to Instagram. My understanding is that as the apps get bigger, the algorithm is needed because it filters out who who they think would be more engaged with it. And it's easier to navigate as opposed to like just getting it to every single person. Yeah. That may be true. That may not be true. Does your app have an algorithm? And what? Is that what is the actual purpose of an algorithm? Because everybody's heard the term, but I don't think a lot of people actually fully understand. Well, the purpose of algorithms, they can serve many purposes. One is to actually moderate content. Right. So content moderation is key Um, in the early days of social media. You might see someone that you might someone might be able to post a hashtag that says like big booty bitches. Right. And it's like, okay, it's vulgar, but people might go viral, but you don't want brands and people to get on your platform and see big booty bitches. So the algorithm might see that and be like, if the ha- if it has big booty bitches in the hashtag, then we're going to hide that content or suppress it. Or there's algorithms, there's, there's um, content moderation that actually recognizes big booty. And then they'd be like, it becomes regional. Yeah. <laughs> Demographics. Right. Demographics. But it actually can, there's actually algorithms and, 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 and stuff that can actually recognize the human form, right? So they'll say, oh, this is nude. So because to manually moderate content is too expensive and you can't do it, especially on a platform that has billions of people. Because then you're talking about eight, 10 billion pieces of content a day and you can't have people looking like, is that a nipple? Is that a shadow of a nipple? We ain't got time for all that shit. So, um, so algorithms are designed to take a lot of the human workload off of what's being done. They're also designed to help boost visibility of content or make the content more engaging for the the benefit of the business. So the TikTok algorithm is very, very simple. It really is based off how long you hover on a piece of content and if you rewatch it. 
So if you hover on a piece of content that's about like dogs and cats, then the algorithm will serve you another piece of content, you know, 10, 15 pieces later and see what you do. And if you hover on that one and rewatch it, then they say, okay, we think they like pet videos. So we'll start sending them more pet videos. But the problem is if the, if the, if the video is about suicide or, um, you know, conspiracy theories, then the algorithm is just an algorithm still doesn't know, but it'll start sending you suicidal content. Mm. So you can get down these rabbit holes of negative content. So algorithms are just programs that are designed to enhance the experience of the platform, but sometimes they can work to the benefit of the user or, um, you know, to the defeat of, of the, so do you have algorithm? Yes. So for, that's what I'm thinking. So for fan base, it would be more, advantageous to actually have it boost the content because of more visibility yeah. well it's, we don't have algorithms we don't have algorithms that boost content it's simply if you have a, a million followers on fan base and yeah. post a piece of content then we're going to send it to a million people i don't want to because once i start controlling the amount of visibility on the content that you receive then i become you know what i said i didn't want to be. be because yeah. it's about maximizing visibility to, to turn the and this is a good a good thing to talk about. Five percent of the people that follow you are your fan base. So if you have a million followers on social media, 50,000 people really rock with you. The other 95 percent of people follow you, follow you passively like a magazine at a checkout aisle or they're nosy or they're haters. The other five percent are like, I rock with y'all. And that's what you focus on. And so I tell people all the time, do you want a million followers or do you want a million dollars? A million followers. I know people with five, 10, 15 million followers broke, can't even pay their bills. But 50,000 people paying you $2 a month is 100 grand a month, $1.2 million a year. That's it, 50,000 people. In fact, when Bad Baby, I know y'all heard about Bad Baby, Catch Me Outside, yeah. she made $55 million off OnlyFans, right? 55, yeah. Right. And the first thing, there's two things that I did. First thing I did is went and subscribed to her page. Not, not because I wanted to. I wanted to see what market, she did. Market research. Yeah, no, dead ass. Absolutely. But to see what she posted that got that. And I was surprised, number one, she wasn't naked on any of the content. Mm-hmm. The videos might have been 10 seconds. It might have been like 10 seconds max. And there's a lot of pictures, right, of her in like bikinis and lingerie. And it was only like 160 pieces of content. I said she made $55 million off 160 pieces of content. The next thing I did is I went to her Instagram page and there was no content on the page. It was like six posts. One of them was I made $55 million. Go cry about it, bitches. And that's what the, that's what the caption said. Right. And I said, and this is something that I know in our community we need to hear. And it's going to be a little controversial. But I was like, see, I was like, she hit all her content. Because she knows she makes Instagram. Instagram doesn't make her. And that mentality came to her because she's white. And what I mean by that is she understands she runs shit. These apps don't run me. On the other hand, we say these apps run us. They take our pages. They throttle us down. We beg, give me my page back. They kick Boosie off the Instagram every other week. He begging to get his page back on. He comes right back on. She's like, I have 16 million followers. This serves me no purpose at all. So she archived all her content. She put a link tree and said, you can stream my song, watch my music video and come to my OnlyFans. Because what is this 16 million people doing for me? It's doing nothing. It's just a vanity number. It means absolutely nothing. What is good as having 16 million followers if you can't use them? Well, do you think that to play devil's advocate or God's advocate, as my guy 19 Keys would say, um, it is a great 
form of promotion that's free mm-hmm. that you can reach. You might not be able to reach 100% of your followers, but you can reach enough to tremendously boost your business. You don't think so? I, I, I believe that, but they're your followers. They're fo- if I follow you, I want to see you. No, I agree with you. Right, I but, agree with you. But that, that's, 100% with you. But, that, but my point is, the only thing that, the only reason why it isn't done that way is because they're making money off you. What I tell people all the time is if you're not making money directly from the platform, like the platform itself isn't paying you, you're the product. There's no way. And I was laughing the other day because who was I talking to? I can't remember who I was talking to. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, they don't even let you reach your followers. Even, you know, you know, get a lot of money. They're like, well, yeah, they're not going to let you build a business on top of their business. Like, who won't let you do that? And they're not. But so you kind of did. You kind of we, like we built the business on their business. I, you do until they don't allow you to. If they shadow ban you, block you, or they block you, or they, or they just say we don't allow that. Like people, because I have there are a lot of people that are making money off bonuses, like off reels. They're like, oh, if I make, if I get, I can make up to thirty five thousand dollars if I get three hundred and fifty million views. And I took out my calculator. And I said that's point zero 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 one cent of you. Point mm. zero zero. It's like a hundredth of a percent per view, right? And they could decide in the moment that they're not doing bonuses anymore. But if you're making that money month over month and they end the program, your business is done. Yeah. Hmm. And it's not, it's not my design. It's not my, my design is not to, my design is to let people build an infinite business off the tools that I give you to build it. And I just collect the fee. I just take a percentage, make your, make your business as big as you want to build it. I'm not the business. My business is making you a business. So you you take a percentage of the four ninety nine. Yeah, but there's also other ways to monetize, right? So, like, if I I go live, mm-hmm. is it called, is it Flix? It's just going live, but Flix is like our version of, of short form, like TikTok and Reels. So if I oh I do Flix or something yeah. like that, people could actually like give money while that's happening, almost like so, a, like so Google has, like super, like YouTube has super chat or something like that. So so we have subscriptions, and then we have a virtual currency we call love. Love. And so and so love is purchased by the user to tip anybody on the platform or unlock content that you don't feel comfortable completely subscribing to. So mm-hmm. let's say, Oh, I go to somebody's page and they got 20 pieces of content. Let me unlock one to see what's behind there. And then you get that. And for that, for that reason, right? So a lot of these other platforms you use, they, they make you go through the process of pulling out your credit card or setting up some sort of account. We use the in-app purchase technology that's already built into Google and Apple for that reason. They're gangsters and they take 30 cents of every dollar, which is hefty. And we take 20 and we give 50 to the user. Now, when I hear it in the, in the record business, when you got to think about people that are getting like 16 cents out of a dollar, nine cents out of a dollar, mm-hmm. 50% is a lot of money. If you're making $2 and 50 cents a subscriber, right? Even that, even like I said, even, even if that's, um, what is that? That's $125,000 a month, $1.5 million a year for 50,000 people. Even if you wanted to, even if you wanted to just, go down to 5,000 people subscribing to you and you're making 250. That's more money than, you know, 96% of Americans, $150,000 a year. That's a lot of money. So I'm just thinking like, if I'm an artist, mm-hmm. uh, you come from music. Why wouldn't I just not put my, I make a piece of art or music mm-hmm. and I put it directly there. Is it I mean if I'm getting 50% on each view or each listen, mm-hmm. does it make more sense? You get artists approaching you about this. 
Yeah, but uh, but most artists are tied into recording contracts, and those people own that copyright. Uh, so they own they own the music video, they own the song, they own the master. But and this is what I tell people all the time: as an artist, for musicians, there are two ways the artists monetize their content primarily: they monetize their content through, um, like music, like people buying your single, streaming your record, right? And then they monetize their audience through. Um, doing shows, so monetize your monetize your content through music. Monetize your your audience by performing and doing concerts. There are large gaps of time where you're doing neither, and people want to know about your life. So people want to know where do you shop, who are you dating, how do you stay fit, what happened that time y'all got in a fight in the club. So when I see people go live, this has happened two times in the last month, and I'm I'm just I'm, and and I say this all the time when I seen. When I seen Meg Thee Stallion on with Gail King and I just saw Danny Lee talking to Martinez. Andy Martinez, I was like, what purpose did this serve? You could have literally sat down with Angie Martinez and told the whole story and put it behind a paywall. And now you got even you got kicked out of the baby's house. Go buy two houses because everybody going to tune in to see. They might not even tell you mm-hmm. they're going to watch, but they're going to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like monetize like. Fan base gives the ability for people to own their celebrity and monetize their celebrity. Don't let because what you do is when you tell it for free, TMZ takes it, Baller at the Shade Room, all these places, and they get all the views and that allow and ad dollars and continue to make money. And you just gave away your story for free. So, what's the business model for fan base? So, so the so the, the business model is subscriptions and virtual currency. I mean, as far as the company's making, how does the company make money? It makes so it takes a percentage of we take subscriptions. 20, yeah, twenty percent of of anything. That's so twenty percent of of every penny, twenty percent of every dollar. So for five dollars a month, you get a dollar. Yeah, the creators get two dollars, two dollars and fifty cents. Remember, Apple, Apple and Google take thirty. Okay. We take twenty. Okay. And then we pass fifty to the creator. So they get two fifty. Yeah, two fifty per they subscriber. Fifty percent of that. Yeah. All right. Is the plan to also at one point have ads like all these other companies have? Again, if I have to run ads and I have to probably limit the visibility of content, because at that point, how am I going to make revenue if I don't limit? Because brands are going to want to come to the people that are on the platform to make money. And I don't think we have to run ads. I, that, well, I think there's ways to be creative in the way that you advertise without actually running ads. I don't want to say what it is because every time I say something, it literally winds up on the app. I'm not lying. Like, don't worry. Yeah. No, nobody's listening. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, for sure. Like It's happened. So it's literally happened like in real time where and I and actually I had a friend of mine. I'm not going to say what company he worked for, but he came and said, I want to talk to you because I want to talk to you about face. I'm huge like media company. He goes, we have this software like like Facebook use us. All these companies use us. He's like. You know, when you be like saying like you talk about a product and also you get an ad for it. Yeah, we're listening to your microphone like they hear it and they transcribing what you're saying. So if you talk about some shit and show up on your phone. Yes, they're absolutely he's like, if you don't turn that shit off on your phone, your microphone. They're listening to everything you say. They're geo. They're geo fencing you. You walk into if you walk into a lingerie store, you're going to get an ad about some bras and panties. If they hear you talking about it, they hear you talking about. Uh, 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 a, a certain car or a certain product, they gonna send you. A, you know, oh, go go to this car wash, or you know, do you want some new rims, or you need, you know, anything like that. They're that's how they target it and, and market and target. So I know they listen. Trust me. So there is a way 
Just can't say it right now. But because that I say that to say that's one of the problems with Twitter, right? They can't find a way to make money. And they don't run ads. So in my What did Elon just say? What? He just said he wants to turn into a subscription platform. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, but I'm just saying it still hasn't been done yet. So there's no there's no proven model that a social media company can be extremely profitable just based off of subscriptions. Yeah, I mean OnlyFans. OnlyFans is extremely profitable. For the company? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The creative. The, the, they're about to change the whole business model though. Because they were, were trying to get away from that. But that. they were, but I but again, it's like it's the same thing. It's kind of like you're you can't cut off your source of revenue to maintain your business. And I think it's great for sex workers. I think it's terrible for people that want to establish their brand beyond, you know, um, um, being associated with sex work, which is why a lot of people shy away from the platform because it's hard because brands will not rock with you for that very reason. Have you thought about leaving it up to the creator to see how much they want to charge? So yes and no. We can't the reason. So I've done an enormous amount of research on this. But what tends to happen is anything over like the seven, eight dollar mark subscriptions fall off about 50 percent month over month. If I go into like if you go into OnlyFans and you get there and it's a stack of folded clothes, you're out of there. Like, you're not. I came here to see boobs. And so and she and she charged me like twenty five dollars. How much does how much will call the charge? Who? That baby. She charged twenty four dollars. Twenty four dollars. Twenty four a month. Yeah. So it's working for her. Yeah. Oh no, because but it's it's it it, it worked. It, I did. I calculated it. It's still. She made. If you look at the image, she made like twenty five million dollars on messages, which is basically like unlocks. Like what we're we talking about, like how you can unlock content, specific content. Yeah. But yeah. sixteen million off subscriptions, and even if I did, when you do the math, it's still about fifty six thousand people that she made sixteen million dollars off of. Just fifty six thousand people. She made sixteen million dollars off of it a year. I think that's like a small town. So, I mean, it's tough because like it, it's you don't want to do it, but we see in pretty much every subscription service start at a low tier, and then they may offer another tier. Not that they have to raise the price, but they just have an added tier. Is that maybe an option? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to do. Um, I'm not trying to get too much of the game away. There's a reason why I'm not going. I'm going to tell you it's 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 doable, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's easy as people think it is just because of where technology is now, but it's, it's doable. But, and, and I think we, we can, we can do it. I just know that people, and I'll tell people all the time, if you go on your phone and look at the subscription you have on your phone, like I probably got like 15, 16 subscriptions yeah, on my phone. Yeah, yeah. You forget about that three ninety nine. You remember that thirty four ninety nine or whatever, like, oh yeah, let me take that off because I'm getting killed. But you know, anything that's the price of a bag of chips and a soda and you're, and you're getting what you want, people forget about that. And then you'll have a subscriber for a year, two years, and they're just into what they're locked into your content. That's what you want. You want the, you want the, you want the acquisition, you want the purchase to not immediately hit you. And especially reasons why I did virtual currency and love and, and why I built fan base. Like I said, I didn't build fan base for me. I built fan base for the generation or two after me. Right. Cause you know, those those kids are transactional. Mm-hmm. They spend their money. Mm-hmm. They live their life like now. They're not like I'm going to save and you know go to Paris when I get you know retired. Like nah, we going to Paris this weekend, and I'm gonna go buy 
you know, the, the Rick Owens and I'm going to go buy all the fly clothes and I, I'm going to quit my job and bro, they're going to live life like right now. So they're going to buy, they'll buy what they want and they understand virtual, virtual payments. So they got Venmo cash at PayPal. They understand that they're transactional. Um, and they're born into this. They, that's all they know. They don't, my little brother don't really know paper money. I mean, he's 16 years old. All he knows is, you know, I send him money, you know, digitally and he has a card and he's not counting cash. Like if he, that hurts to pull out money and spend it that way. So, and then there's no amount of innovation that Facebook and Instagram can do to capture kids. Cause kids are always going to want to be on apps that their parents are not on. It's about community building. So as soon as my mama got on Facebook, I was like, peace. Like, you know, Facebook, as, as stated by a young child, which which a user sent me and he sent me the tweet. His daughter said Facebook is where old people go to brag about their grandchildren. That's what a young person thinks of Facebook. So I don't care what Facebook bill you can build. Met- and matter of fact, the, the child said Meta Greta Feta. I don't care what Facebook builds. It'll never be as cool as Roblox because Facebook is where old people go to brag about their grandchildren. So build whatever you want. Kids are going to want to be able to talk about their love life, their sex life, the music that they're listening to, the things that they're going through in spaces and places where their parents are not. So let's talk about this funding conversation. So you raised three point five million, I believe, in a Reg C crowd. Six million. Six million. Two rounds. So I raised three point four in the first um, Reg CF and two point six in the second. All right. So yeah. this is crowdfunding, right? Yeah, equity crowdfunding. What platform? Start Engine. Starting, oh, it's equity crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So, the equity crowdfunding is people who have ownership. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So, talk about that. So, so this is where my good friend Don Dixon, who's raised money multiple times on starting, she's like the she's the first black woman to raise a million dollars through equity crowdfunding, and um, and so she was like, you know, you can you can do this too, Ike, because. You understand your business, a great product. And then who better to have equity in the startup than the people that are actually use it. And it's different for other companies, but I think it fit well with fan base in the time that we were in, because there were so many complaints about what was going on on social media. It's like TikTok had this huge scandal about how if you put black anywhere, you on the creator marketplace and use black lives matter, black success, black people. They were like, it's inappropriate content, but you can put white supremacy you know, and still charge for that. So TikTok had a had a bad rich problem and they still do. And I tell people all the time, like there's nothing that TikTok can do to um to 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 help you as a creator in the United States of America. That's a Chinese based company, the algorithm in China, all the shots get called from China. So for us, um that the opportunity to equity crowdfund came about and um I it's hard because only two percent of startups that apply for equity crowdfunding get accepted. So it's not like I can just sign up the start engine and and do shares. It's a very, very long process. You know, you have to go through multiple um, financial disclosures. Like you got to fill out a lot of paperwork, file a lot of paperwork. So once you do all this kind of stuff, you know, then you're allowed to raise. And then you have to, you know, market the raise to the point that the money that you're trying to raise. I've known people that have tried to raise a million dollars and weren't able to raise 10,000. Right. And so um, you have to become the raise. You have to live it. And really market and promote it nonstop. So we were successful two different times. So you have, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong, over eight thousand investors. Mm-hmm. So what's the minimum to be able to invest? And obviously, I don't know if there's a ma- obviously there's a max. Yeah. The, so when you're doing a Reg CF, the minimum is is 
I mean, somewhere in the round of the nature of about 150 to 250 dollars. For our raise, it was 250. Mm-hmm. Minimum to invest was 256 dollars, um, and the maximum is 100 grand, 100 thousand dollars. Okay. So, what's the marketing plan to make sure that people hear about it, they're interested in it? Obviously, beyond you, mm-hmm. there must be a marketing plan that's put behind it, so we can have awareness. Are you going on social, well, social media? To promote it, are, yeah. like, are you using the other the platforms? So Dawn was so Dawn was my coach, and and I took a I took a lot of what she said and a little bit of what I do because most people that raise capital like through equity crowdfunding have to take in a portion of their raise and put it back into advertising the campaign. I've never done that. I've never run an ad campaign to raise money for fan base. What I have done is use platforms like Clubhouse, you know, or use the use the 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 climate of the energy of what people are going through right now to say there's there's an alternative to this if you if you're tired of these platforms treating you the way that you're treated then you can definitely own part of one platform and continue to use it so um doing shows like this like I was like I did the I did the the first round I raised like $300,000 the first the first goal was to raise a million and we did that in about I raised like $300,000 in like the first two and a half weeks. And I did the breakfast club. And then the day that I did the breakfast club in that air, I raised like $700,000 in less than an hour, closed that raise and had a wait list of like $1.3 million. Mm. So you just never, and that was viral. You never know when you're going to go viral. But also I think a key factor in doing, when you're doing equity crowdfunding is letting people know how you're doing. Cause what it becomes a game to people. Like people watch it. Oh, he raised a little fifty thousand dollars. I know he he trying to raise like a million, two million. All right, and then they'll see you raise a hundred thousand. They'll see you raise two hundred thousand. That's what happened. And people were like, Oh man, I missed out because it went viral and the raise closed at a million. I was able to open it back up and accept the wait list onto three point four million dollars. But a lot of people missed out, and so but they'll follow it and they'll be like, I don't think he gonna make it. Then and then when you make it, then they get like, I ain't missing the next one. Because you don't, you know, we, we, the importance of equity crowdfunding is that accredited investors are allowed to go in and put minimal amounts of money into companies and walk away with huge amounts of return, right? And so an accredited investor, for those that don't know, is a person that makes over $100,000 a year for two consecutive years or has a net worth of a million dollars minus their primary residence, right? So I give this example and I tell people all the time, um, one of the seed investors in Uber um, or in Michaels, Google him. He put five thousand dollars into Uber in 2010. So I think the first, you know, half a million that they raised, he put five G's as an accredited investor. When the company IPO in 2019, his five thousand were twenty four million dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, OK, I'm not trying to be funny, but I know I know a lot of people with five thousand dollars. I know 10 people with five hundred dollars. How come we can't? How come ain't nobody call me about Uber? Right. Because you're not accredited. Mm-hmm. So the accredited investor rule came in in 1935. And it was really a rule to lock out the good opportunities only for the rich people. So, like, oh, you got to be rich in this because we don't want you to blow your life savings on a bad investment. We don't want you to take your retirement money and put it into this thing called Uber and it goes belly up and you lost your fortune. But I tell people all the time. You don't have to be accredited to go to Vegas and blow $5,000 on the crap table. You don't have to be accredited to go buy lottery tickets, $5,000 worth of lottery tickets, and wind up winning nothing. So why can't we gamble with startups the same way? 
And so that is where companies like Start Engine come in and allow us for people to put the price of a pair of Jordans into a startup and see where it goes because you're going to eat it. You know, you're going to buy it on some bullshit or hookah or whatever, or, you know, throw it at the strip club or, you know, just do normal things. But why not be able to take some money and run with it? So, all right. VC, are you interested in getting venture capital? Did you have you tried to get venture traditional venture capital? What's your thoughts on venture capital angel investors? So I took one venture capital meeting before we did equity crowdfunding and it felt really like we don't want you to let we don't want you to play in our our field. And then it just so happened that again, like COVID hit. And so I'm definitely interested in venture capital. The but I'm interested in the right venture capital and then the right way that it's done. And so I think the benefit of working in the music business, and I say this all the time, is that I've seen the worst deals possible. I've seen the worst publishing deals. I've seen my friends get signed to bad publishing deals. I've seen the worst kind of business deals done for artists and labels. So a VC can't slide me a deal because a lot of my friends that are into tech, they have their version of bad record deals. Right? They have versions of where they might have given up too much equity or too much power in their company and got voted out of the company like Steve Jobs did. Like Steve's all the genius. How you get voted out of your own damn company? But, you know, you're so fixed on, I, I know I can make this work. That'll never happen. But now things happen and you get voted out. So um, I'm definitely interested in that. And so I treated I treat fan base like an independent artist, because when the VCs were like that one VC was like, oh, no, nah, it's like trying to go to the record company like Drake mm-hmm. and they dish you. And then you put your mixtape out and it was just my version of selling shares out the trunk of my car to the tune of six million dollars. So now I was like, I got the streets. I don't need y'all. So now a VC can't come along and just hand me any old deal. Right. The deal's going to have to be respectable. And I understand the market. And so and I can always go back to raising capital from the streets. So it's like I can always go back being independent. So if I do do a deal, my goal is to make fan base it's hot as little baby. So when the VCs come along, they're like, we got to sign you because you're so hot in the streets. If we don't, we're going to miss out. And that's the that's the 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 model of the energy that I have. I definitely want VCs because they're they're definitely um, good business partners and can open up a lot of doors. But again, it just has to be the right deal. So you got over eight thousand now. Mm-hmm. The app is in one hundred seventy countries, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Hundred one hundred seventy plus. Uh, why would that would how would that work as far as international investors? Are people from other countries able to invest? So the only only two countries that you couldn't invest that started and had limitations on, and that was based on the country, were the UK and Canada. Everywhere else is open. It was open for people to invest. We have international investors from overseas and stuff like that. I don't know what regulations prevent you from investing from Canada mm-hmm. and the UK. And, and those are the two places where people were like, man, I want to invest. Like, I'm right here. Right. Like, I'm right. I'm, I'm north of y'all. Let me. And I, I just I had no choice. You know, I had no control over that. How many users is on the app right now? Two hundred and fifty thousand. What's your goal for users? I mean, I want to get I want to get to a million users before the end of the summer. And we've and, and the entire time we've we've you know, we've raised this six million dollars, um, even though we've raised six million dollars. I I didn't we haven't done any marketing. So now we're getting to the point in the phase where we're going to do some marketing and do some strategic marketing. But there's a plan to onboard a lot of users and, and you know, and really have a, a, a strong push through the summer. I want to get young. Uh, we got We have a creator advisory board of young talent that. Um, 
is geared toward what the app is going to do and creators and then, you know, uh, audio rooms and stuff like that that are happening. So the goal is to get to a million users um, super, super quick um, and then raise a significant um, series A because that'll just give us the capital to continue. That's what you do. Even 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 investors and, and, and VCs aren't so much concerned about the revenue because even in startups, it's like, you know, you got to figure out monetization. Even though monetization is built in, they're more they're more excited about the user base. So I want to focus on the user base. We're making money. We've made a lot of money with, with fan base, but I want to continue to to scale the user base because that just becomes more advantageous um, to the community and VCs. So okay, so if I, is it all right? I get the subscription side of it, but is it still a social side? Like, what if you're going on? You don't want to follow anybody to pay. Yeah. Is it still a social? Yeah, it's free. Of? It's free. It's free to follow. There's there's tons of free content. Is it, is, it, is it designed strictly for creatives, or is it designed for just general public? It's well? designed for every user. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. That that's the thing about it. You're going to make fan money on fan base whether you want to or not. You don't ever have to like enter your 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 debit card or whatever to get paid. You're gonna still go look in your revenue and see some money because somebody's gonna love what you do. That's what I mean by being transactional. Somebody's gonna be like, oh, I'll give you like a couple pennies for that. And when you think about scaling that over time, it, because we all don't know what we're going to become. You might somebody might have a really good knack for designing sneakers or dyeing tennis shoes or whatever. And all of a sudden people want to know like how do you dye your tennis shoes and you start making videos about that and before you know it you got a, a whole business built on the content that you've created. So I just wanted to leave it wide open for you to discover your passion. And then if you want to monetize it in the form of conversation, in the form of photo, in the form of long form content, like a TV show, you know what I'm saying? Like imagine, I imagine like how what Issa Rae did with black, uh, awkward black girl, but she never sold it to HBO. So it just eventually became insecure mm-hmm. and she just had subscribers subscribing to insecure the whole time. Cause now she's like, she owns the whole, whole thing it's, yeah. and she'll own it forever. Now, if they want to come along and license it or buy it, right. go ahead. But it's mine. It's that, it's that Tyler Perry mentality. Like own your content first. Cause you own your content on fan base. If you, if you blow up and somebody wants to come along and say, Hey, we want to put this show on ABC. You have a decision to make. You want to sell the ABC or do you want to still own it? Make the lion's share of the profit and call the shots. So obviously when you're raising, um, each round, you're collecting the money. Mm-hmm. We're developing back into the business. Talk about how you're going strategically about adding technologies. Because I know you don't want to build everything at once. Mm-hmm. It takes time. And obviously, as you're building, mm-hmm. other companies are building. So what's yeah. that process like? I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think we, because we don't have, and when I tell people to look, like, I'll, I'll bring, uh, I'll, I'll do, like, small focus groups when we have people come by the office. And I'll hand them the app and I'll say, how much of this feels like current platforms like Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse? And they'll say, man, this is like, I said, on a scale of one to 10, they be like eight or a nine. I said, okay, we built this with less than like three and a half million dollars, $3 million. Like what you think we could do with 35 or 300 million. Right. So that's the thing about it. So, I mean, our strategy, um, like I said, is, is, is continue to, to build the technology that people want because everybody wants everything now, but you have to build things that also turn revenue and create engagement. So, so we focus on things like short form video because it's super, super engaging audio. Like when you think about platforms like we in our data and our analytics, the average user spends about 40 minutes a day on YouTube, 29 on Instagram, about 10 to 15 on TikTok because of the audio and video 
combined on fan base, people are spending about an hour and, and 30 minutes a day, hour and 20 minutes a day on the app. Cause you can scroll, you can be in an audio room and scroll the app at the same time. So you can use your eyes and your ears at the same time. When you're on audio apps, you typically just listen and look at the phone. Like I say, who's in the audience? And then that's kind of that it. But when you can engage with multiple mediums of content at the same time, we do that. So we want to, I call them user tools. We want to build user tools that allow people to monetize and discover what their abilities are and make sure that those verticals are there while the things that people may want that are not so much geared towards like, oh, we want more filters or we want um, carousels. Like we'll get there, but we have to focus on the things that I know that that the users want because the users define the platform. You know, there were no, there was no such thing as retweets till people started putting RT <laughs> and then putting them behind and then they just added the functionality. So your yeah. community will tell you what it wants and we listen. So whatever, whatever gets sent in the most or of, of most urgency, we um, develop and build into the platform. Do y'all have a partnership program? I know like Snoop was, I've seen Snoop promote the brand, mm-hmm. um, perhaps an investor, Charlemagne. Mm-hmm. Is there like a partnership program or people hearing about it here say they meet you, they, talk to you about what the, the platform is based on and they say i want to be a part of this like what's that process like for you yeah i mean so so it's it's more like and again i say this all the time it's more about people just saying hey like this is a real chance for us to own and monetize our content because like the users make the value of the platform everybody left instagram tomorrow instagram be worth zero dollars and zero cents Right. And so they they create the value. And so everybody we're in this moment where everybody's so frustrated with shadow banning and all that kind of stuff. Like even when Snoop came on the platform and started using it more is because the day of the Super Bowl, Instagram wouldn't let him go live. So he's like, I'm going to fan base. Right. Where I can where I can, you know, send it out and, and, and go there and be live. And, and what I noticed was whenever we make a move and I said this, I said this before, is like initially when when we were building subscriber based story. So a story that you can put behind a paywall. So you can have stories for followers and stories for your subscribers. Instagram was going to call that functionality fan clubs. I was like, come on y'all. Like they copy everybody. So it's cool. Right. Um, they, they want to call it fan clubs. We were changing our price. Our price was three 99. We went from three 99 to four 99. Instagram had rolled out a pilot program for subscriptions and giving it to about 10 or 15 people. The day that we announced that we were going to four ninety nine the next week, everybody got subscriptions. Everybody black. Mm. I'm sorry, everybody. It was on my feed. Subscribe to this person. Subscribe to that person. Everybody's like, do you see this? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, look at this company that's raised $6 million influencing a $900 billion market cap company because they know that they've underserved an audience for years. And there's somebody that's stepping in the void to actually fill that that place for users and really allow them to take full advantage of their following. So what's next for, for fan base? Like what's your, what's your six month, 12 month vision? Yeah. A million users series a, we've been getting calls about series a and, and, and I happily accept the phone calls and I think they're, they're great and, and people are interested. And so we're just going to continue to have conversations with VCs and if the right partner comes along, cause it's just, it's, it's just about the right partner. It's about a person that believes in what we're building, believes in the culture of what we're building. Um, and then we'll continue to scale the platform. I want to be like I said, I want to be the guy that disrupts so much media, because here's the thing that I said about Bad Baby. And I think people don't understand what like I don't people understand what she did because she made fifty five million dollars. She signed to Atlantic Records. Atlantic Records can't pay her fifty five million dollars a year. So when her deal is over at Atlantic Records, she'd be like, 
90, 10. I keep 90, you keep 10. I don't want this 50, 50, whatever y'all, you know, or I'll just go somewhere else. And somebody will get rid of that deal. That's leverage. You know, NIL has kicked in for athletes. So the ability for an athlete to build a fan base and monetize it. And then if Nike comes with a deal, he's like, I make that a month on subscriptions. Put that away. I'm giving leverage. It's like, you know, for, for, for talent, for people that do, you know, TV shows. That's why I say, and I, and I said this and, and shout out to Dre Davis, who, who works at fan base, a good friend of mine. He remembers when I said this, I sat across from a rapper, a female rapper. And I said this, this was less than a year ago. I said, if you're not monetizing your content today, five years from now, you're going to be out earned by somebody that's less talented than you that decided to do it. And I said, you're going to walk up one day and somebody say, somebody made a million dollars off OnlyFans or a million dollars subscribing. And he was like, it wasn't a million dollars. It was $55 million. And she made more money than Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, Meg Thee Stallion, all the female rappers, Doja Cat. Can't nobody diss her. How can you diss her? She made $55 million off 160 posts. You can't, you can't diss her for that. She, and she didn't get naked. She ain't busting open or nothing. She just went to her fan base and monetized it and made money. So that was, that was such a, uh, such a moment that I don't think people realize what she did because she triggered the ability for people to say, Oh, I, again, I'm the, I'm the show. You don't make me, I make you. If I decide to pick up and take my talents to fan base, they come in with me. And I think, the moment that people realize that in mass, these platforms are in trouble. One last thing yeah. before we wrap. You mentioned earlier that you was reluctant to come out because you didn't want to be looked at as like a black. Mm-hmm. But you did come out, you obviously mm-hmm. vocal and basically. So why did you decide to do that? And do you think that people look at fan base as a black app? So two reasons. One, at the same time, the Black Lives Matter movement happened. We were in the middle of COVID and George Floyd happened and the protests were going on. And all of a sudden, the tech community, the business community was accepting of accepting of recognizing the effect that black culture and black people have on the economy and how um, we've been locked you know, economically out of, um, you know, those those systems. And then to. Most tech startups, you really you really invest also in the company, but you invest in the founder. And I think for me, I wanted people to know me and understand that who you were investing in and what product you were getting and the person that had the passion behind what you were doing and what I was doing. So I was very, very, um, you know, cool with being that. Now, to that point, again, it's unfortunate that when, you know, white people build things it's perceived that they're built for all people. But when somebody black builds something, there's reluctance to that. But what we also know is that wherever the culture goes, everybody follows. It doesn't matter wherever the party is. And I say that I say, I treat, I treat fan base like a nightclub. I said, it's like right now, fan base is like 1030. Like it's cool. You can get right to the bar. It's some girls in here. It's really cool, whatever. But once it hits like 1 a.m., Everybody going to pull up at the same time. It's going to be like, oh, this is the hottest club in the country. And fan base is the is the rule and not the exception. Companies like Instagram are the exception. Companies like Clubhouse are the exception. When I look at ByteDance, which is TikTok's parent company, or I even look at Patreon, those companies were started in 2012 and 2013. 
And it took them years of raising capital and growing their audience to where even people know people still don't know what Patreon is. Right. And they they've managed to raise, I think, three hundred million dollars so far, three hundred plus million dollars so far. And ByteDance started out in 2012 and they didn't become profitable until 2019. So it's it's usually a long grind of of really, you know, building uh, the company. So we're in it for the long haul and we're just ahead of the curve of where everybody else is is, is at right now. Oh, so how can people follow you? How can how can they sign up to the app? What's all the information? So, how can they is the is the the um still raising money? No, so we closed both of our rounds. I can't tell if I'm going to raise another round to the public because that's illegal. Everybody say, "Are you going to raise another round?" Can't say. You can only announce a raise once a raise is live. So if I do, uh, I'll come back here and tell y'all. Yeah. I know a lot of people hear about it right. and come and come do that. I'll I'll do that. Um. You can find me on Fanbase. Um, it's, it's on iOS and Android. Um, it's free to download, free to use. That's what I tell everybody. It's like it doesn't it's, it doesn't cost anything to use the platform at all. Um, and I'm Isaac Hayes three on those platforms. So I S A A C H A Y E S and number three on Instagram, Twitter, and um, Fanbase especially because I don't really post. I kind of post like about Fanbase on my other socials, but I put. What I what I do, what I eat, how I live, what I'm doing on fan base, because that's that's where we at. Rightfully so. And Twitter and Twitter's and, and I say this Twitter to all the people that do make content. Your stories on Instagram and Twitter are your most valuable pieces of IP. That's where you can get the most traction and the most potential virality of what you do everywhere else. TikTok, they're the most disloyal audience by way of they just they just want people want to see just videos and be entertained. So they're not really attached to the user. They just want to be entertained. Like what you got to do for 15 seconds in this or one minute in this video dance. But if you really want to get to know the nuts and bolts of a person into their real life, then um, content platforms like fan base that allow people to post photos and videos and give you a, a more inside look at what's going on is where it's going to be at. But Twitter also, because again, it's the only evergreen social media platform. In my opinion, every social media platform has a lifespan, right? Including fan base will have a lifespan. So all these platforms are defined by the generation that use them. Twitter is defined by what's happening right now. Like who won the game, who got divorced, who, what, what is, what, what's going on in Congress like right now. So I think it's evergreen. And that's why a lot of young kids use Twitter. Like young people flock to Twitter. It's still like what's happening at the moment. At the exact Did you just see that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it. That's, that's the genius. That's why I say every half you have that aha moment. Like, Oh, this is like, you know, this is like the dark night where if something happens, there's like multiple angles of what's going on. So this is my version of what happened. This is my version. And it all comes together and paints this picture of what what really happened. So I think it's a I think it's a genius platform. Elon's going Elon's going to turn up on it. You know what I'm saying? He's going to make it pop. He's going he gonna to put I think he's going to bring Doge. I said, I think he's going to bring Doge into Twitter. So if you got Doge, even though it's in the toilet right now, <laughs> hold on to it. The Doge father. Yeah, the Doge father. I think he's going to blow that up. But yeah, that's where you can that's where you can find me, though. I'm, I'm on fan base. Y'all, y'all should come to fan base. Y'all should start doing like, we need to find a way to get y'all to some really dope audio rooms on fan base. We'll find some ways to partner with y'all and maybe have some conversations with some people. Because um, I think people like to have access to, because we're about to launch. We're about to launch subscriber-based audio rooms, too. So I know so people have to subscribe to get into your audio room. So if EYL wants to have subscriber based audio rooms and you will have thousands of subscribers, or hundreds of thousands of subscribers to come in and hear y'all talk. That's something we can do. Sure. We'll, uh, sure. we'll be the, the face of the campaign. 
<laughs> hey, I'm, I love it. Let's do it. Let's Absolutely. Do it. Troy, how's Keeping Idols? Shout out to everybody on Fanbase. Shout out to everybody on that other company. No, shout out to everybody on Patreon, all our patrons. Everybody in EYL University, all our earners, over 12,000 people in, that are subscribed and executing on information, but not only that, passing it on to the next generation and changing lives forever. So shout out to all of y'all. Shout out to everybody on the merch team. Shout out to the entire Atlanta, the city of Atlanta. We are here. Obviously, this is our second home. Uh, the studio is obviously looking impeccable. Uh, so shout out to Mike and, uh, and Ben and, and Smitty, our team down here. Love is love. Thank you guys for rocking with us. See you next week. Peace. Peace. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> A mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.